So we're going to start now on the actual, the era of the first base Hamikdash, which of course was built by Shlomei Hamelech, which we dealt with that last week. The first thing I'd like to mention of the history of the first base Hamikdash is about Shishak, who was a, which is actually another name for Shlomei's father-in-law, Parai Nechai. As you're probably aware, Shlomei married Bas Parai. It was actually the day, the night before the dedication of the Beis Hamikdash that Shlomei married the daughter of Parai, which was a big tragedy. And Shlomei thought that from marrying Parai's daughter, that would help the Jewish people, help the Beis Hamikdash, help everything because it would be diplomatically good. But Shlomei's father-in-law, who's known as Parai, Parai Nechai, the crippled Parai, but he's also known as Shishak because he desired, when he came to visit Shlomei in Yerushalayim, and he saw the amazing treasures, and especially he saw Shlomo's throne, he desired it. And then when Shlomo died and Shishak, his father-in-law, was still alive, he came to attack Yerushalayim and emptied all the treasures of the Beis Hamikdash. So it turned out that Shlomo marrying the daughter of Parai, instead of helping the Jewish people, backfired in a very bad way because the amazing wealth which the Jews had in the days of Shlomo Amelech was all gone because of Shlomo's wonderful wife. The next part of the history of the Beis Hamikdash I want to deal with is King Yoyosh. Now, Yoyosh became king at seven years old. The story of Yoyosh, which we mentioned in the Haftoid of Parshish Sholem. There was a time when there was a marriage made between the kingdom of Yehuda and the kingdom of Yisrael. It was actually King Osa, who was a tzaddik in his personal life, who decided that because there had been a war between Yehuda and Yisrael, which hundreds of thousands of people were killed, he thought that it was best to make peace, even though the people of Yehuda, the kings of Yehuda at that time were tzaddikim. Osa and son Yehoshaphat, the kings of Yisrael, um, were Rishoyim. At the same time, he decided to make peace. And this didn't work very well in the favor of the Jewish people because later us, he also made a shidduch for his son Yehoshaphat with the daughter of Omri and later for his grandson Yehoram with the daughter of Achav. And this caused idolatry to come into the kingdom of David. And later uh, there was a queen, Asalia, who was the wife of King Yehoram who killed all of her grandchildren, the descendants of David HaMelech, to take over the kingdom. And only one baby of one years old was hidden, Yoyosh, a one-year-old, was hidden by his aunt, Yehosheva, who was the wife of the Kayin Godel, and he was hidden in the Aliyah's base, Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the attic of the Kodesh Kadoshim. At age seven, Yoyosh, Yoyosh, sorry, Yehoyoda HaKoyen Godel hid Yoyosh in the attic of the Kodesh Kadoshim, and he was able to do it because Yehoyoda is the one who ran the Beis Hamikdosh. Now, Yoyosh at seven years of age was taken out of the Aliyah space, Kodesh HaKadoshim, and at that point, he was declared king, and at that point, Asalia was killed. There's a whole lengthy story on it, which we read on Parshish Sholem. Anyway, Yoyosh, as long as Yehoyada HaKoyin, the Koyin Gadol, was alive, Yoyosh did the right thing. 
Yoyosh renovated the Beis Hamikdash, a major renovation of the Beis Hamikdash. He started a special fund of Bedekabayis for the repairs of the Beis Hamikdash. Until then, the Kayanim would get whatever money was donated, and they themselves were responsible for repairs of the Beis Hamikdash. It didn't work very well. It worked much better with a separate fund of Bedekabayis, which Yoyosh started under the administration of Yoyoda Kayengodo. Now, another king of Yehuda that I want to mention is Ochoz, who was one of the descendants of Malchus based David, but unfortunately not a very good person. And this Ochoz, he's actually called Ochoz. She'och, the Gemara says, She'ochaz bedalsei beis hamedrish ve'omar hanichnas behem yidoker. He held on he, the walls of the beis medrish. And he said anybody coming to a shear would be killed. In the days of King Ochoz for coming on tonight's Zoom shear, there would have been a death penalty or any other shear. Ochoz discontinued the Aveda, the service of the Beis Hamikdash, and he built a Mizbeach for idolatry next to the Mizbeach in the Beis Hamikdash. The day that this King Ochoz died was shortened to two hours, so he shouldn't get a decent burial. It was cut by 10 hours. The sun rushed to set 10 hours early. Chizkiyahu, who was a son of this Ochoz, was a great tzaddik, as mentioned as a candidate to be Moshiach. Chizkiyahu cleaned up the entire base Hamikdash, and then right in the beginning of his kingdom, he made a massive Pesach, which he invited everybody to come. Chizkiyahu delayed Pesach that year by one month, either by, there's two opinions in Gemara on exactly how he did it, either he told all the Jewish people who were tummy to delay for Pesach Sheni, or he made a second month, an extra month of Hadar. Either way, what Chizkiyahu did, it says the Gemara in Psachim brings that Chizkiyahu did, Iber Nisan Benisan the Chachomim did not agree with what he did, but nevertheless, Chizkiyahu eventually realized he did the wrong thing. And he says, Hashem Hashem should forgive the sins of the Jewish people, that Pesach. And the Pesach that Chizkiyahu made was the most simchadik, the most joyous Pesach, even though there were mistakes made. But it says that Hashem forgave everything. That year, it actually mentions that Pesach was extended by an extra week, not the prohibition of comets, but just the the celebration, the Simcha of Pesach. As we mentioned, that there was never such a joyous Pesach as the Pesach in the days of King Chizkiyahu. Moving on from specific incidents of the Beis Hamikdash, there was, in the days of King Yeshiyahu, there was a couple, Shalom ben Tikva and Chulda, and they were relatively poor people, but they wanted to provide, they wanted to give tzedakah, they didn't have any money. So they provided water for the Jewish people coming to Yerushalayim for Yom They provided water for the Eilat Egel, and in the merit of them providing water, they both became Nevi'im because they helped people get water when they came to Yerushalayim to the Beis Hamikdash. In this merit of the water they provided, both of them became Nevi'im, became prophets, Shalom ben Tikva is counted amongst the 48 male prophets. 
that had a a prophecy that's relevant for all generations. Hulda has is one of the seven Nevi'is, the seven female prophets who have a who have a prophecy that's relevant for all generations. Now, the day came that Shalom ben Tikva died. And he was died, and they were gonna, they were burying him. And during the burial, an army from Aram came and attacked. And at that point, they the people who were doing the burial dropped the coffin or the bed and they ran. Shalom ben Tikva rolled out of the coffin or rolled out of, they carried a person on some sort of a bed then on a mita, and he rolled and he hit the he rolled onto the grave of Elisha. When he hit the grave of Elisha, he suddenly came back to life. This is the part of the story that's mentioned in Pirka de Rabbi Eliezer. It's also quoted in Isha Tanakh. Now the rest of the story, which I imagine, it doesn't say it actually in the Medrashes, Shalom ben Tikva, it's clear, came back home from his own funeral. So I imagine he knocks on the door, knock, knock, who's there? It's the husband again. And Shalom and Hulda continued after his burial or after his funeral, because they didn't actually bury him. They continued to live together as husband and wife with his comeback. And they had a son, Hanamel ben Shalom, who's mentioned in the Haftarah of Parshas Bahar, who also became one of the Nevi'im. Any questions, you're welcome to ask. You may have to unmute yourself, but you're more than welcome to ask. Now, Rabbi? Yes. Yeah. Just for just for Cheskiel, there's there's a couple of things that, that that came to mind for me. He uh, the the instance with uh, San Sherab and, and Rav Shoka when there was a siege of uh, Jerusalem, and, yes. and there and there was the uh, there, there was the redemption that happened on Pesach nights when when San Sherab. Yeah. So so that, that that's that's another connection, and the the other thing about Cheskiel uh, that I remember is that he was the one that. Um, Disposed of the, uh, the the brass snake that Moshe Rabbeinu made. Yep, yep. That's correct. I'm trying to do more of the things that are relevant to the base Hamikdash, but you are right. I want to mention one other thing. While you did mention with Rav Shoki, Rav Shoki was actually a Yisrael mummer, a Jew who had gone away from Yiddishkeit and became uh, involved with the king of Ashur, Assyria, to destroy the Jewish people. Rav Shoki, with the army of Ashur arrived in Yerushalayim on Erev Pesach. The Medrash brings that Rav Shoke, when he came on Erev Pesach, he heard the Jewish people reciting Hallel as they are bringing the carbon Pesach. And he suddenly realized that he chose the wrong day to come to attack Yerushalayim. He chose Erev Pesach. So Rav Shoke says to King Sancherev, Harbe nisim nasu lehem halayla, many miracles happen tonight. It's not a good day to attack the Jewish people. Sanchev made a joke of it. He didn't think it was relevant. And sure enough, that night, Rav Shoki was right because that night, 185,000 officers of the kingdom of Ashur died out outside the walls of Yerushalayim. Now, okay, uh, one second. We have here still about the, okay, this just mentioned again about Shalom and the hold of the water, okay. Um, now, um, next we should mention that Yosh, King Yeshayahu 
made another renovation of the base Hamikdash. They found the Sefer Torah of Moshe in the days of Yeshayahu. They were made a renovation of the base Hamikdash, and they found the Sefer Torah written by Moshe Rabbeinu on a nidbach. A nidbach is a row of stones up high during the renovation. They opened up the Sefer Torah and they found that the Amud that it was open to, it said, Hashem Hashem will take you and your kingdom in and your king into exile. And because of this, he was Yeshiyahu was all aroused to improve in, in service of Hashem to do Teshuvah, even though it says in the Gemara that even though on one hand we say in the Haftarah, which we read on the second day of Pesach, that there had never been a king as great as Yeshayahu who did Teshuvah with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might. Yet the Gemara in Shabbos says, If somebody says Yeshayahu sinned, it's a mistake. So how did he do tshuva if he didn't sin? He re he had been a judge for 18 years and he re-checked every single case that he judged and many of them he that he felt he judged wrong, he paid from his own pocket. And in the days of Yeshiyahu, again, was one of the biggest Pesach of Jewish history. So anyway, Yeshiyahu asked advice of Choldo Hanaviyah and she mentions about the destruction coming, but it wouldn't happen in his day. Now the Orin, what happened to the Orin eventually? It says that King Yeshayahu, knowing that the Chorban, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is coming, he hid five valuable items of the Beis Hamikdash. He hid the Orin, which is the one that has the Luchais and the Kaidish Kadashim, the Tzinsenes Hamon, which is a jug of the Mon from the days of Meish Rabbeinu that was put away, the Shemen Hamishcha, the special anointing oil, which after the days of King Yeshayahu, they didn't have any Shemen Hamishcha. That's why there's a mission in Megillah and elsewhere that says, Ein bein koyein moshuach b'shemen hamishcha l'meruba begodim. The koyenim g'doylem of the first base Hamikdash are called moshuach b'shemen hamishcha, anointed with the anointing oil. In the second base Hamikdash, they were only meruba begodim. The koyen gadol only had eight special garments instead of the four of a regular Kayan head, a regular Kayan. So again, King Yeshayahu hides five items. The Arain, the, the jug of Mon, the Shemen Hamishcha, the stick of Arain, as, including Shkei Deho, which is the almonds, Uprocheho, and the leaves. And then the Aragos, the special box that the Plishtim, when they had the Arain in captivity for seven months, and they sent the Arain back with this box of treasures of golden mice. And this Aragos, this um, box of treasures was also hidden by King Yeshayahu. Where was the Arain hidden? The Arain, it says in the Mishnah in that the Arain was hidden in the Lishkas Ha'etzim. Lishkas Ha'etzim is a big area in the Yezras Noshim where they would keep the wood and they would, the Kayanim Bali Mumim, Kainim who had blemishes would check the wood for worms in this lishka, so ate him, and the orin was hidden in that lishka. The mission in Masechtesh Golem tells a story, which we'll soon read inside, about a Kayan who noticed that part of the lishka floor was, unu was unusual, and he told his friends, and before he identified the exact spot of the orin, 
He suspected right away the Orin was there, but before he managed to identify the exact spot, he died on the spot. Just to have the mission in Shkolim, Perek, uh, Perek Vov, it should be. Perek Vov, Mishnah Beis. So again, the mission in Shkolim, Perek Vov, Perek Vov, Mishnah Beis. Uh, so the Mishnah in Shkolim says that there was a coin in the Lishkas who hates him. He was checking the wood for worms. It's a coin who had a mum. He suddenly noticed the floor looked different. There was a certain spot on the floor that looked different. He came and he told his friend, hey, the floor looks different and I heard the orange is hidden here. Before he managed to finish what he was saying, he died on the spot because he was publicizing the place where the orange was hidden. And when they, he, this happened, they knew with certainty, Rashi says, that's where Yeshio had hidden the orange. Some say the orange was taken to Babel. Going on now, after the first base Hamikdash was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, the, the building of the second base Hamikdash. Now, the building of the second base Hamikdash is quite interesting because there's a Goy, King Kodesh, who's very involved in the building of the second base Hamikdash. How does King Kodesh get involved? There's a prophecy of Yeshayo Hanovi about King Kodesh. And just to have a few psukim from Yeshayo, Yeshayo, Perek Memdalit, Pasuk Chafches. It says over there, Ha'oimer le'kodesh roi. Hashem says to Kodesh, my shepherd, v'chol chefsa yashlim, he will fill all my requests. V'loimer le'yerushalayim, tibonen say Yerushalayim should get built. V'heichol tibosayim, and the heichol should be founded. And this King Kodesh was shown this posset, this prophecy of Yeshayo Anovi, how Yeshayo Anovi 170 years or so earlier had predicted his Kodesh hadn't been born yet, that there would be a guy called Kodesh, whose job is to build the second base Amikdosh and to make the Heichel. Kodesh hears this, and Kodesh takes on this thing. Since he had a big incentive. It also mentions in Perak Mem Hey Posset Aleph. Hashem says to his anointed one, to Kodesh, which is quite interesting, that even though Kodesh is a goy, he's still referred to as Mashiachai, Hashem's Mashiach. That I held on to his right hand. Now, if Kodesh needed a bigger of an extra incentive to go, Hashem says, I'm designating you to build the base of Mikdash. One, he may not be interested, so Hashem gives him an incentive. In Perek Mem Hei Gimel, it says, I will give you the treasures of dark, hidden treasures. The hidden treasures. And when you will get all these hidden treasures, you'll become the wealthiest person in the world. Then you will know, you should know that God has called your name. Hashem has designated that this guy called Kodesh should be a world conqueror, a world emperor, and he should be involved in the building of the base of Iktar. And Rashi says, Hashem has selected your name. 
Adayin loinoi ladata, you weren't even born yet. Vani koine lecha shem koinesh. And Hashem already called him with the name Kairish. Was Kairish the son of um, Esther? Okay, you have a very good question. There are two Kairishes. And there are different versions on this, but the standard version, which Rashi and Mitsudis and others have is as follows. In the time of the 70 year exile, there were seven kings. You have Nebuchadnezzar is a king of Bovel who destroyed the first base Hamiknosh. His son Evil Meroidach afterwards became king for 23 years. Then Belshazzar, who's another son of his and the father of Vashti became the Babylonian king for two to three years. And then came the time that Kairesh of Paras, the Persian Kairesh and Daryavash Hamadi, who was a father-in-law and a son-in-law Daryavash was the father-in-law and Kadesh was the son-in-law. And they attacked and took over the Babylonian empire. Uh, the whole story of that night, which we went through probably more than once. Anyway, and then we have Daryavash is the king for about a year. And then Kadesh is the king a few years. And then this amazing treasure goes to Ahasuerus. Okay, and later you asked about Kairish building the base Hamikdash, the son of Ahasuerus, and Esther has three names. He's called Arsachshasta, he's called Kairish, and he's called Daryavash Hasheni. So it is the first Kairish, the first who gave permission to build the base Hamikdash and later retracted it. Kairish the second, also known as Daryavash Hasheni, and also known as Arsachshasta is the one who finally allows the Beis Hamikdash to be built because the first Kodesh allowed it and then stopped it. Yet to the credit of the first Kodesh, he allowed in that time, 42,360 Jews went to Eretz Yisrael and they started making Karbonis and that they never stopped to this day. So again, Hashem promises Kodesh v'nasakim l'cha I'll give you these hidden treasures. You go build the base of Mikdash and you'll get the mass treasures. Hidden, hidden treasures. You should know when you'll get these amazing treasures, you will know. It is me, Hashem, who calls in your name. Rashi says, You're not even born yet. I'm going to call you by Kodesh's name. Kodesh made an announcement in the first year of his kingdom, encouraging Jews to go to Yerushalayim and build the Beis HaMikdash. Kodesh releases the clay HaMikdash, which were put by Nebuchadnezzar in his, his church, in his Beis HaMikdash. Kodesh gives a lot of funding for the Beis HaMikdash. He also encourages Goyim, to give funds towards the building of the base Hamikdash. Now, we had earlier in a Pasuk that Kodesh has promised you build the base Hamikdash and I'll get you treasures. We learned in Panic Mahay Pasuk Gimel. And it says, I'll give you the dark treasures of Matmuni Mister. Told him, what happened with this promise of treasures? So we go on to read. Kodesh 
one second. The reward of Kodesh is that the first day that he started, that he gave permission to build the base Hamikdash on that day, he found the hidden treasure. They knew how do they have this hidden treasure and what's the story of that hidden treasure. So there's an amazing story in Esther Abba. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, so uh, just a second. So again, Kodesh finds the hidden treasure of Nebuchadnezzar. What is the story of this hidden treasure? So we have a Medrash and Esther Rabo about the finding of the hidden treasure. Omar Abi Tanchuma, Nebuchadnezzar Shkik Mechik. Nebuchadnezzar, his bones should rot away. He is the one who destroyed the Beis Hamikdash, persecuted the Jewish people. Siegel Kol Mamayne He gathered all the money in the world. He made a massive gathering of money. But he had a major crisis, Nebuchadnezzar. What is he going to do with his money? His eye was stingy about his money. What am I going to do? I have all this money and I'm going to die. Kivan Shinatan Lomos, Nebuchadnezzar is about to die. Omar, he says, Am I going to leave this money to my son Evil? He didn't really like his son Evil. When Nebuchadnezzar turned into a um, an animal, then a cow or, or an animal eating grass for seven years, his son Evil or Evil Mereida took over the kingdom. And then when Nebuchadnezzar regained the kingdom after seven years, he was very upset how dear Evil Mereida get the kingdom. And for that, he put him in prison. So he didn't like Evil Mereida and he had no solution for his money. He didn't want to give it to a stranger either. Ahmad Vigazan, he got up and made a decree. He made big copper boats. He filled them with money. And he dug. And he put them low down in the river of Pros. And he made the river go on top of them. And nobody could find those treasures. Those treasures were missing for some 27 years. The day that Kaidish became the king. And on the day that he became the king and he was told about his destiny to build the base Hamikdosh, the Gozar Sheyivne base Hamikdosh, Kodesh decreed the base Hamikdosh should be built. Gila Aisan HaKodesh Baruchu, Hashem revealed them. Hadohu Dixiv, this is the meaning of the passage that says, Koi Amar Hashem Lemeshichi LeKodesh. So Hashem says to his anointed one, Kodesh, Asher hechzakti b'yeminai, I held on his right hand, l'rad l'fon of goyim, he should rule nations, u'sha'orim lo'yisogedu, he won't close, gates won't be closed, and it says right after that, v'nosati l'chocheshech u'matmunei mistorim, I will give you the oitzres chayshech, the treasures of dark, and the matmunei mistorim, which are again treasures. Now, in the day when Kodesh gave permission for Jews to go to Eretz Yisrael, 42,360 Jews went to Eretz Yisrael, and more would have gone, but those who didn't rush, permission was retracted. The Medrash brings that Kodesh sees in the city of Shushan, Hamadina Shreimema, the, the city looks desolate. There were many empty stores. So he asked what happened. So they said, you gave permission for all the Jews to go to Eretz Yisrael, so all the Jews left, and they boarded up their stores. So Kaidish says, what? 
my allowing Jews to go to Yisrael was not to destroy the Persian Empire. He says, that's it. No more Jews can go. He said, whoever crossed the Harapras, which is the Euphrates River, can go to Eretz Yisrael, and whoever hasn't gotten across the Harapras everybody has to go back. Yeah, we have over here the Madrash on this actually, Shirashirim Rabbo, Panakei Parshahei. Yotza Kodesh Natayel Bamedino. Kodesh went for a walk in his city of Shushan. He sees Shushan looks desolate. The stores are boarded up. Omar, he says, What happened? Why does the whole Shushan, the capital, Canberra, Washington, Shushan, why does it look so desolate? Where are the goldsmiths? Where are the silversmiths? Omri Laysa, his servant, said to him, what do you mean, where are the goldsmiths? Velav atu de gizart, weren't you the one who made the decree? Vamrit kol yehudoin yifkun v'yivnu be'imikdasha. You are the one who made the decree that the Jews can go build the base amikdash. So what are you looking for the Jews? Min hain dehavim, some of those who went were goldsmiths. Umin hain kasafim. Some of those were with, work with silver. This they went up. They this they went to build the base hamikdash. But he shaita at that time. Gzarvomer he made a decree and he said, the one who crossed over the Euphrates River, Avar is crossed. He can go on to Eretz Yisrael. The loy Avar, whoever hasn't crossed the Euphrates River, loy Yava he should not cross. Now, the enemies in Eretz Yisrael in the days of King Kodesh, they sent letters to King Kodesh against the Beis Hamikdash. Kodesh requests <clears throat> that the Jews send the delegate pro Beis Hamikdash. The Goyim, the anti Semites, send the delegate anti Beis Hamikdash. And the Medrash brings that the Jewish delegate, the pro Beis Hamikdash delegate, was Mordechai. The anti-Beisamikdash delegate was Haman, and they traveled together, it's brought. And during this, uh, it was a long journey and uh, trouble on the way, and um, Mordechai had saved his food, and Haman ate up all his food on the first few days, and Haman was in agony, he was suffering. And, yeah. So one second, Haman was very hungry and Haman begged Mordechai for food and Mordechai gave Haman some food on the condition that he sell himself as a slave. So this is the first encounter long before the Purim story. This was the first encounter of Mordechai and Haman traveling for lobbying, Mordechai lobbying pro-base Hamikdash, Haman lobbying anti-base Hamikdash. And this is also why it's brought that Mordechai Yoishev B'Shar HaMelech, Mordechai was involved lobbying. He was always trying to get there by the Shar HaMelech to lobby to get permission for the Jewish people to build the Beis HaMikdash. That's also connected to what Achashveresh says that Ad Chatzia Malchus V'Yinosin Loch. When he promises Esther, I'll give you anything you want, he says, 
up to half the kingdom, which Rashi says, Chatzia Malchus is the base Hamikdash. That's the one thing I won't do. But anything else he was ready to give. Okay, let's move ahead. Now, um, as we said, they went to build the base Hamikdash. Who was in charge of the Jewish people going to build the base Hamikdash? We had Yehoshua Kayin Godel and Zerubovil. Just to mention Ezra and Nehemiah later, they came after the Beis HaMikdash was built. The last three Nevi'im, it's brought Chagai, Zechariah, Malachi, they testified the exact location of the Mizbeach. We're going to build the Mizbeach, we have to have the exact location. The Rambam says, Mizbeach, it's very exact. Uh, they also testify that one can build a Mizbeach and bring yep yeah, and bring carbonis even though there's no base hamikdash so again after kadesh gave permission to build the base hamikdash there was a delay in building the base hamikdash for 18 years yeah we're going to go on now so we have now Chagai Shari Malachi testify the exact location of the mizbeach and also that you can build the mizbeach and bring carbonis even though there's no base hamikdash, as it says, makrivin There's actually a Rambam in Hilchos base habechira, which we just learned in the nine days. The Rambam says, When the Jewish people came back from up from exile, three prophets went up with them. One testified and identified the exact spot of the mizbeach. One testified on the mattresses of the Mizbeach. And the third of the Nevi'im testified. We're going to make carbonis even though there is no base Hamikdash. Yeah. Uh, we said. Will, will, will that be the same? This time around, that the uh, again, I uh, start before the base Hamikdash is built. I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. Well, next time around, is it possible that the uh, will can Karbanis be brought? Alpidin Karbanis can be brought before the base Hamikdash is fully built, and that's why in 1968, after the Six Day War, which they captured Yerushalayim, there's a big shaila if you had to make a carbon pesa. And therefore, the Rebbe recommended in 1968 that Kayhanim should leave Yerushalayim on the 14th of Nisan and the 14th of Eir, not just Kayhanim. Jews in general should leave Yerushalayim so that there be no Shaila of a carbon Pesach because we say, you can make Korbanis without a Beis Hamikdash. Okay. So during those 18 years, the Karbonis were being brought. If you look in the first Rashi of Megillah Esther, by Yehibi Meachashverish, Rashi says, Melech Poras Hoyo, Achashverish was a Persian king who became the king after he was the king and at the end of the 70 years of Golas Bubble, which at the end, the Beis Hamikdash hasn't been built, but the Mizbeach is functioning and Karbonis are being made. Now, there was an 18-year delay in building the Beis Hamikdash, during which time Achashverish was king for some 14 of those years, and then he dies. And now 
Kodesh the second. Yes, Kodesh the second. We're getting to him. Chagai Hanavi says it's now time to build the base Hamikdash. It's seventy years since the actual destruction. He gives instructions to Zerubbabel and Yehoshua Kiengodo to start building without permission. The governor in Israel, Tatnai and and Sheisar Boizni, they try to prevent the building. They write letters to the Persian king. And um, King Daryavash Hasheni, or Kaidish II, goes and he wants to know, he's looking for a precedent for building the base of Mikdash. And he finds the, he finds, yeah, he finds the documents which the first Kaidish wrote, allowing Jews to go and build the base of Mikdash. And based on those documents of Kodesh, he decides he's also going to allow the Beis Hamikdash. Now, at some point, a few years later, because the Beis Hamikdash started being built in the second year of the Yavash Hashani's kingdom and was finished by the uh, sixth year. But, yeah. And Ezra doesn't come until the seventh year. Now, Ezra comes and gets and comes to help the Jews in Eretz Yisrael with all their issues, especially the issue of intermarriage. King Arsachshashla gave Esther, who's also Kodesh the second, or Daryavash the second, gave Ezra the full authority. The Pasuk in Ezra says he has authority to take their money, to put them in prison, to hit them. He has full authority over the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. Nehemia also eventually also comes to Eretz Yisrael. Nehemia is actually called in Doniel Hatir Shosa because he has a heter to drink non-Jewish wine. Is why he's called Hatir Shosa, a heter of Shosa. And here are just some other gemaras connected to the base Hamikdash. It's a gemara in Yuma Lamates about Shimon Hatzadik, who was of the Kayanim Gedayim in the second base Hamikdash. He was Kayengado for 40 years. He was, we say in Perkayavis, he was from the leftover of the great assembly, which is the Dayonim of the Antrik Nesagdoyimah. Yeah, Satana Rabbon and Arboim Shona, Shashime Shimon Atzadik, the 40 years that Shimon Atzadik was the Kayengado, Hayagoyro, Oyro, Biyamin, the Goyro always came out on the right. From here and onward, the sometimes comes out on the right, sometimes on the left. In Shimon Atzadik's day, the Goyro, they made a lottery between the two oxen, which one is Lashem and which one is Lazazel. It was always that the one on the right went Lashem. After Shimon Atzadik's days, it didn't always work that way. Sometimes it comes out on the right. So that's one miracle that happened in the days of Shimon Atzadik, that when they made the goyro between the Sawyer Hashem and the Sawyer Lazozen, it was always the one on the right that wanted to be the Sawyer Hashem. A second amazing thing in the days of Shimon Atzadik is There was this tongue of, and Ashi says, it was combed wool, or mushroom drawn out. 
and the and you tie it to the head of the sarah and it's red, and it would it would get white on its own. So this was an amazing miracle. Yeah. So we tie it to the head of the Sarah and it would get white on its own. And this is a simon, a sign that Hashem has forgiven the Jewish people. As it says, a Pasuk, even if your sins are red, they will be white like snow. But then he goes on by a Nermarovi, like the Western candle in the, in the 40 years of Shimon HaTzadik, the Nermarovi would always remain burning after the days of Shimon HaTzadik. Pomim Kava, sometimes it was extinguished. Yep. He has over here the Ner Marovi after the other candles went out and the Ner Marovi is still burning. And that is a sign that Hashem is forgiving the Jewish people for whatever they've done. Yep. And we're up to... Then he brings more things that happened in the days of Shimon Atzadik. The fire on the Mizbeach was always getting stronger, which means you didn't have to add more wood. Normally, you want to keep a bonfire going. You have to keep adding wood, but by the base Hamikdash, there was never a need to add wood because the um, the main fire was very... Yeah. Okay, so this was a miracle that there was never a need to add wood. And then he says, the itself. It would burn on its own. You didn't have to add any wood and you don't have to bring any wood after they set it up in the morning. And he goes on over here that the Kayanim didn't need to bring wood for the Marocha in the days of Shimon HaTzadik, except for the two logs of wood there's a mitzvah to give every day. Yeah. Okay. Um, he goes on now, uh, still in the miracles of Shimon Atzadik. There was a special blessing in the Karbonis of Oymer Lechem, Lechem upon him that a coin would get a little bit, he would be totally full. It is running late, so I want to just go through the next story about Shimon Atzadik. On the 25th of Tavis is Yoim Hargrizim, which you don't make eulogies. And what's the story? The Kusim wanted to destroy Alexander. The court had made a world court and the Kusim wanted to destroy the base Hamikdosh and they came and told Shimon HaTzadik and what did Shimon HaTzadik do? He put on the Big Day Kahuna. He wrapped himself with Big Day Kahuna. Yeah, and from the treasures of Yerushalayim, there were some of the young of Yerushalayim where they had torches and a whole night they were walking next to each other until Amuda Shahar. It came Amuda Shahar that Shimon, uh, Shimon Atzadik asked, who are these people? And he says, sorry, Alexander the Great asked, who are these people? So they said, it's Jews who rebelled against you. He came to a place called Antipas and the sun suddenly shined on them and, and he sees Shimon Atzadik and he goes down from his chariot and Alexander the Great bows down to Shimon Atzadik. And the servants asked him, a great king like you, going to bow down to this Jew? So he says, 
I would always see images of this Shimonat Sadik, which would give me encouragement to win my wars. He says, why do you come here? So they feel, yeah, why did you come here? So they, so he says, is it possible that the building which my father's Davin that Goyim shouldn't make a mistake should. And he says the house that the Yidden Davin that your kingdom shouldn't be destroyed. Goyim are now convincing you to destroy this. This is the house that's the protection of your kingdom. So Alexander the Great asks, who are these enemies who want to destroy the base, my base Amikta? So they tell him the Kusim. So at that time, he says, the Kusim are handed over to you. And they killed the Kusim. It says here they uh, drilled holes with their, uh, in their Akveim, and they tied them in the Zinve Susim, and they were schlepping them until they came to Argrizim. When they came to Argrizim, they planted it. They plowed, planted it, the Karshinim. As they wanted to do the Beis Hamikdash, they did what they wanted to do, what the Kusim wanted to do, the Beis Hamikdash. That's what Alexander did to them. And that day of Chofhei Tevis became a Yomtev. Okay, it is 8.45, so we'll uh, stop at this point. Anybody has any questions, comments, please don't hesitate to ask to add.